This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, welcome to the Hell Has an Exit podcast. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 888-699-9395 to speak to a specialist. This show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. Welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. On this show, we interview individuals that have inspiring, positive, impactful stories of triumph and overcoming adversities. We do a lot of recovering addicts on the show. Today, we have my buddy, Devin C. I've known Devin pretty much since you've been clean. How long have you been clean now? Coming up on six years. Six years. Congrats, bro. Thanks, man. You're from PA? Philly, yeah. Philly? PA. Believe right. it or not, that city is in Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> I like no idea about like the northeast. Yeah, man. Philly. I know about like Florida and that's it. Florida and Texas. Born and raised, lived in the same house for 21 years. Wow. Yeah, never moved anywhere except to Florida. Is it? Yeah, so you got clean at 21? I got clean at 22. At 22, okay. Let's uh, start from uh, the beginning. Yeah, man. Like I said, born and raised Philly, little Northeast Philly kid. I came from uh, all of us, man. Every kid that grew up on my block. Like I grew up on a city block. You know, I grew up in a row home. Like mm-hmm. the kid that lives three doors down, four doors down, the kid that lived at the end of the street. Those were my best friends, man. We went to school together. We played sports together. We played kick the can out front. We played manhunt, freedom, all that yeah, shit. Yeah. We did all that stuff in the city. We would, uh, we would just be kids, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, summertime came around, like we would sneak out and we pool hopped. So a lot of the houses would have like a pool Pools, in the yard. Yeah. And some of them would have a shed in the yard and we would like climb up in the shed mm-hmm. and fucking scream cannonball yeah. at 2.30 a.m. and then all run. We were good kids, man. We all went to school. We all were good at sports, especially like I was good at sports. I was, you played uh, every sport? I played baseball. I played hockey. I played football for a year, but my main sport was baseball. And uh, yeah, I was good. I was a pitcher and a shortstop. Uh, If I wasn't starting pitching, I was starting shortstop. Mm -hmm. And then as I got older, I played third base because the kid that played third base always underthrew the ball to first base. So we swapped positions. Gotcha. Like living in my house was, it was nice. Like uh, we weren't rich, we weren't poor. But we were like lower middle class. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never went for anything or anything like that. But uh, my parents are married, still married. I come from a loving home, man. Which is like, you know, I try to break the stigma a lot that, uh, you know, not every addict grows up in like some fucked up environment. You know, like yeah. I grew up in a nice house or whatever. But like, dude, my parents taught me right from wrong. Like I, when I went to treatment, I couldn't say, oh, my mom and dad yeah. did anything wrong. Yeah. You know? Like I, in hindsight, they were fucking perfect, dude. Yeah. And I had a relationship with my parents that to this day is still like unbreakable. Like I love the shit out of my mom and dad and my mom and dad love the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. 
And it was even like that during using drugs. But prior to that, like, uh, it was normal family shit, man. Like we did vacations. My dad, I have a brother and a sister, both older than me. My dad and my brother and I, like we always like went fishing. We went hunting. We did shit together. We went camping as a family. We went to uh, wherever. We used to go to a place called King's Dominion as a f- kids. Yeah, man. Like my life was good. I went to a charter school called Philadelphia Academy Charter. I was a fucking honor roll student until 10th grade. I was an all-star athlete until 10th grade. Mm-hmm. I was a... You know, I was a shit. I was a going places until 10th grade. Like, I had no complaints, man. All my friends and I were tight. We all had, like, most of us had good parents. There is a few parents in the mix that, like, later in life you realize mm-hmm. are just as fucked up as I was. Like, I, you know, I've, like, shot heroin with some of my friends' parents, or smoked mm-hmm. crack with some of my friends' parents, and shit like that. So, what happens in 10th grade? Well, it was more about like ninth grade is where it started. Mm-hmm. Eighth grade, really. Summer going into my freshman year. Just regular shit, man. Smoking weed, drinking, keg parties, hanging in the woods. And once we got to a freshman year, me and those two kids that lived on the same block, like we realized like, oh, everybody's smoking weed. And we would all throw our money together and get a little half ounce of weed. And we would bag that shit up into 0.8 nicks or 1.6 dimes. Mm-hmm. And we would sell it, and it would turn into an ounce of weed, and an ounce of weed turned into a QP, and a QP turned into a half pound, and a pound, and a half pound turned into a pound. Uh, my buddy Steve, like he had the house that we could hang at, you know, yeah. he had this shed in his backyard, and it was like a big ass shed, and there was nothing in it. Mm-hmm. That was like our little smoke spot, and we had, you know, like those patio tables, like outdoor furniture. Yeah, yeah. we had one of those in there with uh, two full sheets of plywood on it. We would take a whole pound of weed and literally bag the whole pound up into dimes and nicks. And the whole thing would be covered in. We would be like one person would weigh it. The next person would follow behind and stuff it in the baggies. And uh, we started making like some good money, man. You're a 15-year-old kid, a freshman in high school. Next thing you know, you got like a couple grand Mm -hmm. that you just have. You always got the brand new Air Max 95s on. Like we had like nice shit. And it, it was more about. Uh, when you sell weed, you sell to a certain crowd that's not just the high school kids anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I met people outside of high school, like grown-ass people that do other drugs other than weed. And I started noticing, like, uh, people would ask me for other drugs, other drugs that I had no idea what they were, like Zannies or Perks. Or, mm-hmm. I know you guys call them Roxies, but where we're from, like, they're Perks, Perks <laughs> Uh, most people call them itchies, actually. Really? Where I'm from, yeah. Itchies? That's yeah, funny. when you take them, you get itchy. Get itchy, yeah, yeah. So I started noticing, like, people asking for them, and I started, like, asking my friends, like, yo, what's the deal with these things? And I, I met a couple people that did them. I met a couple people that sold them. And I remember trying Zannies for the first time. And I was like, yo, this is fucking awesome. It just was like, I just was fucked up. And I liked that feeling mm-hmm. of getting fucked up. Bro, I've only done Xanax three times, and I got arrested twice on them. And uh, uh, I just, like, I've never been a fan. Of, I would only take Xanax if I was coming down from crack. Those were my favorite, man. That's and, crazy. Uh, I did those. So that's where the trouble began. You know, I'm Xanax. Like, yeah, like it was probably like summer going into my sophomore year. I was eating Xannies, like, pretty much. By the time I got to 10th grade, I was eating Xannies every day. Wow. I was selling Xannies, and I was getting a lot of them and selling a lot of them, and I could sell them by this time. Like I had a lot of like clientele. I mean, like I had a lot of custies. Like people mm-hmm. were buying the shit. Uh, I didn't look at it as like 
I never went for like I never like was like stealing shit to get a couple Zans or, or mm -hmm. shit like that. I always had them, and I always had money, so it was like there was never any issue. Mm -hmm. Then I started selling the thirties. And I never did those because anytime I would sniff like a quarter of it, throw I would throw up, the fuck yeah. up. And I'm like, this is whack. You know, you smoke a couple too many cigarettes and next thing you know, you're puking. That's what I did for a, a while. And then I got arrested. I got popped. My buddy used to drive this little Dodge Neon. It was an SRT4. It had like the fucking neon lights on the, it. Bro, that was the car to have. Yeah. The SRT4 Dodge yeah. Neon was, it was like. It was loud as shit. Yeah. It was like. As a kid, like with like, you know, a hundred Zannies in your pocket and like a little bit of weed, like you should not be riding around in this vehicle. And uh, I remember getting stopped by the cops and I got arrested. That was weird, man. There was a, he was like going to yell at his little cousin for doing something stupid. And the cop drove by us and then he made a U-turn and they pulled up behind us. And I remember sitting in the passenger seat and I seen the cop, one cop get out of the car, the driver of the car. And I was looking in like the driver's rear view mirror, mm -hmm. like watching him come up as I'm like stuffing an easy pouch of Zannies into my underwear. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking directly in the mirror. And then the next thing you know, there's a cop on, on the side. other side. He grabbed me by the throat, like threw me back into the car, like into the seat. Mm -hmm. And I had my hand in my pants and he's like, <laughs> what the fuck are you reaching for? He, I, it's like a 17 year old kid. He thought I had a gun got, or something. Yeah, they don't know. You're not supposed to make any so sudden like, movements. Yeah, he's like freaking out. And I'm like shitting myself. And I got arrested, man. And I got put on probation. And dude, that was like the start of fucking hell, dude, mm -hmm. as, as a kid. And I couldn't stop using. I was, like I said, I was eating Zannies every day. And I didn't really know, like, I knew I was addicted to the things, I guess, but I didn't know that. It was to the point where I couldn't stop to go take a drug test, like knowing that jail was going to be on mm -hmm. on the line for me. Yeah, I really battled with I can't stop with I don't want to stop. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I was really – it was still like fun and enjoyable to me. Like I genuinely like to get fucked up. Uh, and I didn't really have – or I thought I didn't really have consequence. I mean, getting arrested is like kind of Big pretty – yeah. yeah. But I didn't see it that way. I seen it as like, all right, I knew I was doing wrong and I got fucking caught. Mm -hmm. And that's the only reason I'm in trouble is because I got caught. Yeah, if he wasn't driving down that yeah, road. If I wasn't in that fucking car, if I'd be I wasn't, fine. Yeah, exactly. You know, nobody would have known. <laughs> but that's not what happened. And and that started like the uh, the probation bullshit. And my PO used to live like fucking three blocks from me. Mm -hmm. He had like all the kids in the Northeast Division. Like, I had buddies that had the same fucking PO as me. And he would come to my house, man. And he would be like, I need you to come down on this date. And this would be like, shit, three, four weeks prior, he would come mm -hmm. to my house and say, like, I know you're fucked up. You need to come down and piss clean. Sometimes I remember, like, three days before, I was like, all right, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop eating the Zannies. And then I would not eat it for, like, a day or two days. And then the night before, I'd be like, I can't go any longer without <laughs> eating these things. I'm fucking dying. And, and they I come out of your system in, like, 48 hours, right? I don't know. I never fucking stopped long <laughs> enough to find out, man. So long story short, like instead of going to jail, he did the treatment thing for me. He's like, all right, I'm not, he didn't even bring me in front of the judge. He was like, you just check yourself in. And that's where I started like learning about addiction. Man, I was, a, I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm in a rehab. Every other kid in there is like court ordered, you know, for like failing UAs and shit on probation. I did learn shit about addiction while I was in there. Mm -hmm. I, they did bring meetings in and shit like that. Like I did pick up on things, but I didn't really give a shit. Like I just knew that I was here for probation. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to get clean, but I did know I was addicted to Xanax and I couldn't take Xanax anymore. So when I got out, 
that's where like the shift from benzos to opiates happened. It was kind of like substitute one for another. Like I knew that Xanax was bad, but I still want to get fucked up. So I started doing the itchies. Mm -hmm. And it was the same thing. Like you go from a quarter to fucking 10 of the things a day. And it's kind of a small time frame. And the same thing happened. The PO, another treatment center, same shit. That happened twice. And the third time that I went to treatment, uh, I came out. And like the first day I came out, my buddy Charlie picked me up. And he actually died 10 years ago, yesterday. Wow. Wow. June 20th was yesterday, right? But he picked me up. And that was the first day I tried heroin. Like I got out of treatment. My mm-hmm. buddy picked me up and we went and did heroin. Like I wasn't ready to get clean, man. I didn't want to get clean. I was a kid. I was like young, naive. Yeah, I was talking to someone the other day and I was like, you know, he was struggling bad. He's going through a divorce. He lost his job. And I'm like, bro, you should go to treatment. He's like, oh, I already know treatment doesn't work because the last time I went, I was super gun ho. And the day <laughs> I got out, I used. And I was yeah. like, that doesn't mean that treatment doesn't work. You know, that'd be like you did a 90-day boot camp to, like, change your body. And then on 91 day, you went and ate pizza. Like, that yeah. was on you, bro. Yeah, you know? it was, and that's how, in hindsight, like, that's the way I see it, man. It was totally, had nothing to do with any program or PO or any of that bullshit that I had been through. It was all about me, man. I just didn't want to stop getting high. Mm-hmm. The consequences weren't great enough yet. And they weren't, man. Like, I, little treatment, little juvenile detention, you know, that was my next step was juvenile detention that's where after the third one that's where i went he brought me in front of the judge the third time and i went to juvenile detention for shit i guess it was like a little over two months i got out on house arrest i had the fucking thing around my ankle and i even remember that like i had the thing around my ankle and my buddies were like dropping shit off at the house like (laughs) we're sitting in my garage and i'm fucking doing heroin in my garage like i don't give a shit i didn't even and when i was on house arrest i met my po once i never even went down to pee or anything like that the next time i went down was for court and on that day i got out Mm -hmm. i got let off that was like the best day but the worst day at the same time my parents were happy as shit that they because when i originally got arrested i got six months probation did your parents know you're doing heroin at this point no not heroin no they knew i was fucked up they knew i was on drugs i mean shit i've been to rehab three times they knew i was fucked up would you ever admit to people in rehab that you're doing heroin or would you like kind of brush oh yeah yeah i that's the other thing man like at this point i know that i am like a drug addict Mm -hmm. like i know what time it is but i didn't want to stop using yeah i got off of all the legal shit and i got off the legal shit a full-blown heroin addict so Mm -hmm. what did i do i got high and I remember the day I got off house arrest was the first day I did IV. Uh, my buddy, Chris, when he was coming to my house to drop me shit, he would like go in the bathroom and I didn't really think much of it. And what he was doing was he was shooting dope, but he mm-hmm. didn't want to tell me because it was like, dude, if you're an IV user, like, you're the bottom yeah. of the you're a dirtbag. It's kind of embarrassing to be doing. Yeah. yeah. I remember he picked me up. We went to the block in North Philly, the famous Kensington. We went there and we parked under 95 and he's like, yo, I've been shooting this shit. And I was like, you're fucking disgusted. <laughs> and then uh, next thing you know, I had a needle in my arm. And that was it, man. Like that was that was the start of something that I didn't know had that kind of power. How yeah. old were you? 17. I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And now by this time, man, like I have been to three different high schools. Uh, I went to, after I went to grade school at PAX, which was the charter school, I went to a place called Archbishop Ryan Private School. I went there till 10th grade, then I went back in 11th grade. I got kicked out in 10th grade, barred up, said some smack-ass shit to a teacher. That was that. 
I remember when I went to public school, it was like way different, dude. <laughs> like a public school in Philly was way different. Like you could walk around with your headphones on and nobody would say shit to you. Like uh, you didn't get in trouble for anything. And when you don't do shit in school, like you just walk around with your fucking headphones on. The next thing you know, like you're failing every class. And I remember like pff, legit, dude, I was an honor student to failing every single class. I was like, fuck this. I'm not even going to school. And I just stopped going. Like I would walk to the bus stop, my parents would leave for work and then I would walk home. <laughs> <laughs> and I did that shit for like two months. And then I remember one day I got like fucked up and I walked up to Archbishop Ryan by myself and like asked if I could go back. And they let me come back. And I went back and I think I was there maybe a month before I was out again. And then I went to like some alternative school mm -hmm. where you went there for four hours a day and answered multiple choice questions on a computer. Mm -hmm. But like that's how high school ended for me. I was like an IV heroin user that went to an alternative school. I was like a complete fuck up. Mm -hmm. And my parents at this time, like they know that I'm doing heroin. You know, like I got like track marks all over my body. I probably weigh like 100 pounds, maybe 120 if I'm lucky. But I wasn't to the point to where like I was like uh, like robbing the shit out of them yet. I kind of had like other hustles, but I couldn't sell drugs anymore because I could do them faster than I could sell them at this mm -hmm. point. For like the next four years, I wreaked havoc. I did what I had to do to get the next one. And midway through that, that's where like it took the toll on my parents. But like I was saying earlier, like they never – they never like shut the door, especially my dad, man. Like my dad, like you've talked about your mom, like the relationship that you have with your mother. Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of like my father plays that role in my life. Anytime I would take something from him, like I would feel like I would like want to cry about it, but I couldn't help it. Anytime he would come home from work, like he would literally come home from work and like scour the house to try to find what was missing that day. Like, all right, he didn't come to work today. And mind you, I worked with my dad for like six years. Wow. In high school, like any time in, in the summer, I would go to work full-time with my dad. And then when I graduated high school, I went to work full-time. So when I wouldn't go to work, like he would know. Like, all right, he's home. What's he doing? What's he going to take? Because I took everything, man. Extension cords to the scrapyard, fucking guitar. Like we had, we all of us played music. Then we used to have like nine guitars, maybe 10 guitars at the house. And by the time I left the house, there might have been two that didn't even fucking work because I couldn't <laughs> get any money for them. And just like stupid shit you do using, man. You know what it is. Um, just like dumb shit that caused a lot of pain, right? And it caused a lot of pain on my family, my brother and my sister too. I remember my brother, my brother's like, uh, he's kind of the opposite of me and my dad when it comes to like uh, being in touch with your feelings. He's kind of like one of those brush it on their rug people and like he just walks away from everything. He doesn't want to deal with none of that shit. And that's what he did. He moved the fuck out. And my sister's like the opposite she'll like call you out like if we're at christmas dinner she will say something in front of everybody you know she's just that kind of person she'd be like you're high yeah she's that person <laughs> my sister's like that too. you know <laughs> or like you know where are my cds and like my grandma's there <laughs> you know uh she's that yeah and it just the years went on dude and the shit i did was worse and worse and then i was like ready to get clean i got the ultimatum like get the fuck out of my house or go to treatment and there had been like ultimatums before, like, all right, get out. And then like two weeks later, I'd be back at the house, mm -hmm. you know, mainly because of my dad was like. Enabling. Yeah, yeah. He would give in, man. He would give in. He couldn't. 
the curiosity of what I was doing not at the house would fucking kill him. Yeah, and that's the thing with parents. Like, I'm not a parent, but, like, a lot of times I tell people, like, bro, kick that dude out of the house. Like, what are you doing? He's not a little kid anymore. He needs to fucking go. Yeah. And a parent is like, God knows what would happen if he wasn't. And to be honest house, with you, man, you know? like, if I didn't have that, I don't know what the fuck would happen. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I would have done or, like, what new level of low, what would I stoop to? Like, where would I be if I didn't have that? Yeah. You know, what would have happened if I didn't have that? And I'm not like saying like, you should let your kids stay at home. That's a bad fucking idea. It definitely prolongs the process. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky thing because if that kid goes and overdoses, you're going to be like, well, what the fuck? You yeah. know, and then um, if the kid stays living in your house forever, whatever, but then you could find them in your own bathroom dead, you know? Yeah. And it goes like the same for them. Like how much pain can they endure before they say, fuck this? Mm -hmm. Just like for me, it was like, how much can I use until I literally just can't take it anymore and that's kind of where i was at man i was you know i was shooting heroin shooting coke smoking crack shooting crack for shit i'm on four years of doing this now and i've been like in and out of rehabs and shit in between but i never wanted to get clean man i just went because like i had to go it's like all right I'll, I'll go it'll be dope when i get back because then i can get high off a bag you know like instead of four mm -hmm. and the other thing is is like the hustles were done man like i do like uh like by the end of using like a twenty dollar day, I was like, I was lucky if I got that, man. Like I was scraping by, like struggling, and I moved here, man. I got on a plane, I went to a rehab, I I did it for a while. Let me back up a little bit because I'm like missing a pretty big part of this. Is like I, I was with a girl. I had been with a girl who I met in a Florida fucking detox, flew home, that whole deal. She was from PA too. She was from Jersey, right across the bridge. And like she pretty much kept me using for a while because she had a new home to steal from. So that prolonged another year of getting high. And uh, yeah, I remember you said you told me like the quarter story. Is that the girl? The quarter story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She was dumb, dude. <laughs> she wasn't dumb. It's just that she had no concept of like how much money this is. You know, tell the story. So she goes home one day to try to rustle up what she could rustle up, and uh, she calls me. She's like, "I got us for the day." I'm like, all right, what do you got? She's like, I got like 40 bucks in change. I'm like, all right, perfect. Head to the house. 25 minutes later, she's calling me. Hey, I'm out front. I need you to help me with this bag. I'm like, help you with what bag? She's like, the bag full of change. I'm like, all right, what the fuck do you need help with $40 worth of change for? You know, it's like a cup full mm -hmm. of change. And I went out there and it was like a brown shopping bag, like a Publix bag with the plastic bag around it, filled to the fucking brim with change. And I'm like, this girl has no idea. Like, this is like $400 in change. And she thought it was 40 bucks. So I'm like, all right, wait in the car. I go into the coin star and I'm dumping this shit in there. And the coin star is like, please wait while we catch up. Yeah, like, yeah. that's how many coins this thing has to fucking count. And I'm in there for like a solid half hour. And I went out and I never told that girl is the start of the iced tea story. That's where that originated too. I know you like the iced tea story. So I'll <laughs> tell that. That started with her, man. And she didn't show me how to do it. I actually got her with it. Mm-hmm. She would get us our stuff, or we would get our stuff, split it, and then I would do mine like immediately. Instantly, yeah. You know, and she's like a bag, maybe two. She's got like four left. And then one day I was like, fuck this, dude, I'm getting her. And she went out to smoke, and I ran upstairs. I crushed the iced tea mix, and I mixed a little bit of flour into it to like lighten it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I put that shit, I dumped her wax bags out into mine and I put iced tea mix and flour mixture into hers and I slipped that shit back in her purse before she could even smoke a cigarette. 
Wait, did you give her any heroin at all? Hell no. It was just straight iced straight tea Straight iced flour? tea mix, yeah. That's crazy. And then she's like mixing it up. And she's like, this stuff isn't right. And I'm like, I don't know. Got me high. Yeah. Mine was fine. <laughs> and that's what I used to do, like regularly. That's horrible. Yeah. And then when I realized like how good iced tea mix looks in a blue wax bag, when people call me, I would just, yeah, I got you. And that's what I would sell them. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, people I don't fucking know. I don't give a shit if they know that it's fake, you know? It's got me my 40 bucks. Yeah, I did shit like that, dude. Stupid shit like that. And then uh, she got in a car accident, and she got the same treatment. Like, you need to go. And now she's not around, so I don't really have anybody to take care of me. And all my hustles have been run dry for a while. You can only do so much. Like, you can only rob so many people or steal from so many Home Depots or whatever the fucking case is. I was, like, ready to get clean, or at least I thought I was. I came to Florida and went to rehab and I, and I did it for like a little while, man. I stayed clean for like nine, 10 months. And I met a lot of people down here that I know today in that first little stand of recovery. And I got high again. Same story here all the time. Got involved in other shit, dedicated my time to like work and other bullshit that kind of distract me from the main goal. And I used. Another shitty situation, you know, like uh, I remember I came home from work. It was like, it's probably like three o'clock in the morning. I worked at a theater building sets for plays. It's a cool gig. But like sometimes if there was a play the next day, like you would have to get the set done regardless. Like whatever time you got to stay till to make it happen. And me and uh, this kid, Kyle, who I'm still really good friends with today, that's the kid I go see out in Utah. That's why I always go to Utah because oh, yeah. he's out there. We worked together. And then one day I came, I was like three o'clock in the morning and I had this roommate. His name was Jeff. And I had, like I said, I had like nine or 10 months clean. I'm doing really well, man. I got, life is fucking good. I got a job. I got money. I got a scooter. I got, I live in a halfway house. I got shit to eat. I got money. I got a bank account. I got all this shit. I came home and he was like, yo, I got high today. or I got high yesterday or something like that. And I like 12 stepped him a little bit, you know, whatever. And then he was like, I got high today. And I 12 stepped him a little bit more. And then he was like, I'm about to get high right now. And I was like, ah, well, you probably shouldn't do that. And then he was like, I got it here. And he had a, 10 pack of rigs, like an eighth of powder, and like 10 Dilaudids. I never knew like really what Dilaudid was. That wasn't my thing. I went from itchies to heroin. Dilaudids weren't really like big around where I'm at. And he goes, I don't really fuck with Coke, man. You could have this. And I'm like, what the? F-? It's like an eighth of powder, like for free. Mm-hmm. And like, I love to shoot Coke. I mean, and that, that was it, man. Next thing I knew, I was. In the bathroom, in my underwear, sweating, puking for like the next couple hours. I remember shooting a Dilaudid and then I remember laying in bed like fucked up, dude, like super fucked up, but I couldn't not out because I knew what I had just done. Like I knew that like, I knew I was about to restart the cycle. Like that's how I was aware of what addiction was at this point. And I was aware that like one is too many. Like I was aware that like, fuck, dude. Like I knew that I was going to wake up tomorrow and have to do this again. Mm -hmm. And that like kept me from enjoying my high. Like I couldn't even fall asleep because I knew like, although I was feeling good, I was feeling shitty at the same time. And that's what the fuck happened. Like the next, that was in, I don't know, June, I think. Sometime around June, maybe even July. And I didn't get clean until October. So the end of October, I got clean. And I did that stent for a little bit. In Florida, I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have like any hustle. I didn't have my parents' house. So I lived on the street. The place that I slept most was out front of Winn-Dixie at Federal and Sample. There was like a nice sidewalk in front of where they put the shopping carts back. And it was like undercover. And that's where I stayed. That was my spot. 
like I said in the previous clean time, like I had met some people. So I, again, same thing, can only endure so much before you're ready to make a change. And this time I think I was like really ready, you know, like I didn't want to use anymore, man. I don't, I'm not like a person that likes to live on the street. That's not my gig. I'm not cut out for that shit. Especially in Florida. Dude, it sucked. It was a horrible experience. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. So I got clean, man. I called somebody. I uh, ended up in a halfway house again, and I got clean. And I met a shit ton of people and getting clean. Like, looking back on, like, where I was to how life is like now, it's like sometimes I can't even fathom the shit that I used to do, like, using. Like, I can't. It's crazy, like, how powerful addiction is, like, what it'll turn a person into. Uh, you know, you don't, like, uh, go from honor roll student to uh, sleeping out front of Winn-Dixie, you know, just because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, like, my life started to change. And other people's lives started to change, too. Like, that's another thing that's been cool, like, a cool experience for me in recovery. Uh, like, all that pain and all that bullshit that we cause to others. Like, they have a process, too. Like, they have a journey, too. Like, they heal as well. And I've noticed that, like, with my immediate family, like, my brother, my sister, my mom and my dad. I remember when I had a year clean, uh, my parents came down, you know, celebrating all that. They celebrate recovery with us, man. Mm-hmm. It's cool. I remember like going to a meeting and getting, you know, celebrating with other recovering addicts. And afterwards we went to uh, an escape room, like me and a couple people and my parents. And uh, we were bullshitting out front afterwards. And there was a pawn shop next door. And we're all out there smoking cigarettes. And my dad, he's like a pretty funny dude. And uh, he's like, there's a pawn shop next door. And he's like peeking in the window, you know, like looking through. And he turns around and he goes, hey, Dev, I wonder if any of my shit's in there. <laughs> and he didn't say that with like hostility or bitterness or anything like that. He said it lightly. Like, you know, how like we like joke about smoking crack. Like he was making light of a situation that he is no longer the reality of his life, which was cool to see, man. And so much other cool shit has happened with my family since then, you know. Like I had a fucking kid when I got clean. My kid's almost three years old, first grandchild to my parents, which, you know, like they love, they love Mm -hmm. that. You know, like you said earlier, like you don't have kids. Like, I don't even want to think about what it would be like if my kid did the shit that I did. Like, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. Because like, that's a love that I've never known, man. Like the feelings that I feel towards that child is like, like sometimes I just look at him and I want to cry. Mm -hmm. Like just by looking at him, like his blue eyes, his blonde hair, it's like, how the fuck does this thing love me the way it does? And how the fuck do I love this thing the way I do? Like, I would do anything for that kid. And if he was, like, doing the shit that I was doing, like, I don't know what I would do to, to like, combat that. I don't know if I would let him stay. I don't know if I would tell him to leave. I don't know. I don't even want to think about that. Mm-hmm. When I got clean, I didn't think that uh, that anything could happen. I thought I would just be, like, uh, live, like, an average life at best if I could. Like, even mm-hmm. living an average life, I felt as, like, wasn't in the cards for me. You know, like... Yeah, I used to dream about like having a job with a bank account and like maybe get like keys to something that I own. Yeah. Like I that. used to go to the gym and like dream about like one day I'm going to have like gym clothes, like tons of gym clothes, you know? Yeah. And that's exactly how I am, man. Like even sometimes today, I still think about that, about new goals that I have. But yeah, man, like I remember getting clean and like thinking average ass shit, like there's no way I could obtain it. And then uh, next thing you know, you like you got that average ass shit you were thinking about. Like, uh, like I didn't think I would ever drive. I thought I was always going to be that guy that just never had a car. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case, you know. Like uh, people, you meet people that like teach you that you can do shit. Like when you got clean, did you ever think that you would be in the position that you're in right now? 
Like you're fucking hosting a podcast. <laughs> like what? Like I'm on a podcast yeah. that I is like number one on my podcast on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fucking, it's like weird to even think about. Like, cause when you're using, you're not thinking like one day I'm going to be telling this story or whatever. Like, uh, I remember smoking crack and telling myself like, I'm never going to tell anyone about this ever. Like I felt so, it was like, you know, when you're doing hardcore drugs, you really feel like subhuman when you're doing them and feel like I felt like, you know, this is such a scumbag shitty thing to do. Like, this is just what it is right now. And like, you can't see Pat, like not doing it ever, you know, it turns you into a hermit prevents you from doing all that cool shit that we do now mm-hmm. yeah dude like i do some i do some shit i never thought i'd be able to do it's like uh sometimes i'm like how the fuck did this happen and other times i'm like when is it gonna end like uh i get like fearful that like it's, it's like too a, good it's a ride yeah, yeah like this is the ride and at some point like there's gonna be a calm down like this is a high mm-hmm. and when's it gonna be over because like i said like it's just never i never thought it was in the cards for me like for instance even with my business man like i own a business right I have employees. Like my employees depend on me to provide work to them to make money in order so they can do the shit that we all get to do. Like that's fucking weird, man. Like how the fuck does that happen? At the same time, a lot of fucking people do it. So all I did was do what other people did. Mm -hmm. I learned from other people that own businesses or have driver's licenses or even with my kid. There's a lot of shit that I, I didn't know. Or really not that I didn't know that I, that I was overthinking about like when having a baby. Like you think when you have a kid, like even like the way I would hold him, it would be like, like oh shit. <laughs> like you'd be like super tense. Like I can't drop this thing. And That's how I am. <laughs> but then once you do it for a while, it's like, dude, I could fucking throw this kid around like whatever. He'll be fine. And now he's like a little older. So he's like, he likes to be like a little reckless. Mm-hmm. So dude, he like fucking, he like wants to... F- like flip off the tables and shit like that. And uh, I'm like restarting the process again. Like, oh shit, he's up on the, it's like overly cautious. Like, oh shit, he's up on the table. But then again, it's like, he can walk. He's going to be fine. He's two feet in the air. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Like it's just fucking, it's weird how you go from like stealing everything in your house, right? To being able to provide certain shit. Mm -hmm. Like I was saying about the guitars. Like there's another, cool thing that happened like since I've been clean like uh I took all those guitars right I probably had like two years clean at the time I took all those guitars from my dad and he had like this one Fender Strat that he like really liked it was like this green color it was a cool guitar that was his guitar like of all the other guitars that were there like that was definitely his favorite one and I took that shit and I got you know like 10% of what he paid (laughs) for the fucking thing two years into recovery like uh, I remember I bought a guitar off of some dude I was like playing it and there was like shit like rattling around it. Like this is a used guitar that I just met on some dude on Facebook <laughs> marketplace. And I was like, uh, this ain't the one, like this don't feel right. So I remember going to guitar center and I wasn't in a place financially to be like buying $2,000 guitars. Right. <laughs> so I go in and I'm looking at shit and, uh, I see this one guitar. I'm like, dude, that thing is nice as shit. It's got like all the bells and whistles. Right. And I'm talking to the dude. Long story short, man, like I left the guitar center with that guitar. For Christmas, I ordered my dad an amp. I had that sent to the house because I wasn't going to fly up to Philadelphia with a fucking amplifier. You know, I would have been a pain in the dick. <laughs> Whatever, it's Christmas Day. He opens the amp and she like, my mom had put it away and stuff like that. And he had this one like shitty ass guitar left, you know, like it was like a Yamaha guitar. It was, a, it was the first guitar we ever had. 
it was like a beginner ass guitar. I was like, Dad, why don't you plug that in and see how it sounds? Like the amp. Yeah. He has no idea about this new guitar that I got, right? He's plugging it in, he's playing it, he's like, oh, this fucking sounds good, blah, blah, blah. So the guitar that I got him, it was in a case and it had a lock. And I threw my dad this set of keys. And he was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, go out in the kitchen. And he saw the guitar case and he was like, no, you didn't fucking buy this, did you? And he opened it and he saw what it was. And it's like, I don't know if you know anything about guitars, but it's like American strap, man. It's like double humbuckers. Like it has everything to it. And he started crying. Dude, I don't think I ever seen my dad cry before. Like, yeah, he was emotional. He loved on us and shit like that, but he never cried like that. Mm-hmm. And he cried. And I cried with him. And that was like a point in my life where I was like, I don't ever want to use drugs again. Mm-hmm. You know, like they robbed this relationship from happening. Like I could have did this shit if I didn't fucking use, you know? Like, and that's the other thing. Like, that's cool though. It's like, although there's like a lot of bad shit that happened through my using, like the bonds I have with them now were also created because of that like fucking turmoil. Yeah, because, like, when you have a relationship with your parents, it's one thing. But, like, when you destroy the relationship and then, like, mend them again, like, really mend them. I'm not talking about 90-day clean, I'm sorry, like, let's forget everything happened. I'm talking about, like, years of recovery. That's years of your parents, you know, being able to go to sleep without wondering where you're going to be at. Years of not getting weird phone calls in the middle of the night. Years of them not having to deal with your court bullshit. Years of you not having to fucking beg them with some crazy ass story. Well, like when you have years of, of like a uh, solid foundation and then you do something like that, it hits totally different than like you get 90 days clean and you give your dad a guitar, you yeah. know? And again, I think it was like another experience on both ends that was just like, this is the new reality for us. Like, we don't have to worry about you taking this shit. Like, now we can have this shit in our house. Yeah, yeah. We don't have to worry about it, you know? Like, I could play this anytime, and when I come home from work, I don't have to wonder if it's there anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, that's one of the things I really enjoy most is, like, just, like, certain amends, man. It's not even, like, amends. It's more about just, like, it's cool to make somebody else happy. It's cool to, like, bring somebody else joy because it feels nice for both parties. Mm-hmm. Like even my uh, my mom with my kid, like just like sitting back, and like watching that, like that's fucking, it's another thing that I never thought would be my life. Like I never thought like I would have a child, you know, like, uh, and it's not even about having a child. Like I never thought that if I had a child, I would actually be able to like take care of it and be a part of his life and him be a part of my family's life. Like Let's say I had that 90 days, right? And I called my mom. I was like, yo, I'm having a baby. She would <laughs> fucking freak, freak out, out, dude. Mm-hmm. She'd be like, no way. <laughs> like, you need to do something about that. Like, that's – and it, I wouldn't be able to, like, be upset about that. Like, my kid's three, right? So my kid has had three years. He's not three, but he's about three. It'd be three in August. So there's been, like, three years of, like, a relationship development. You know, like between me and my child and my kid and my parents. So like three years has gone by. It's cool to see like how that develops, you know, like um, like his mannerisms. He has a personality. He has a bond with – he has a different bond with all of us, uh, even with my dad. Like I feel like he latched to my dad the same way I do. Mm-hmm. Like when I FaceTime my mom, like my mom will answer and the first thing he says is where's Papa? <laughs> you know, like, uh, like that's fucking cool. Yeah. And it's interesting how, like, growing up, what I thought was cool. Like, I thought, like, being a drug dealer was cool. <laughs> I thought, like, fucking, like, I remember when I started getting arrested, I was like, yeah, like, I have charges now. You know, like, I used to, like, yeah, I'm a gangster. Like, think I was tough because I had a fucking petty ass, petty theft charge, you know? So, like, you know, I've matured just like you've matured. 
And uh, the thing with using is that you don't ever mature. You know, you, there are people that are 40 years old still shooting heroin. And, um, you know, they think it's like, they might not know think it's cool now because they're older, but, you know, this is kind of their life. And they don't dream about relationships with their parents because that just seems unattainable, you know? And I had like a super, like very similar situation with my father. Like when I was using my dad, I don't know why, but like in my peak active addiction, my dad gave me this watch. And I remember thinking like, what is he giving me this watch for? Like I'm on drugs. Like I would sell, if he gave me anything right now, I would instantly sell it. And I don't know like if he did it to like test me or like whatever, but he gave me this watch and I used to pawn it all the time. And he would always ask me like, where's the watch? And I'd be like, oh, it's in my friend's glove compartment. Uh, we were driving around and like I took it off and I put it in the glove compartment. He'd always be like, where's the watch? And then I'd have to go get an extension on it and like get it out the pawn shop. <laughs> and I probably pawned this watch like 40 times. And I, would, I remember it was the same pawn shop. The guy would only give me 80 bucks. And then it was 100 bucks to get it out of the pawn shop. So many times I would have to steal money from my dad just to show him that the watch wasn't stolen and then go back and instantly pawn it anyways. Yep. And uh, when I had a few years clean, like, I bought my dad a watch. And it felt cool for him to be like, you know, you didn't have to do that. And he might not know that I'm making an amends for that. But for me, like, it's cool to see him wearing something that I got him. It's funny that you say, like, like you were almost, like, implying, like, what is this guy, a fucking idiot? He's going to get a watch. <laughs> and that's how I used to think, like, with almost any item that was of value. Like, if my mom left money in her purse, it was like, dude, you're dumb. Why yeah. would you even think that that's okay? Like, you know I'm going to take it. Yeah. Like, that's the mentality I had. Like, oh, you didn't lock the Christmas lights up? Well, I'm fucking taking them, you mm -hmm. know? Like, with anything, anything that was laying around the house. Like, if you didn't secure it, it was your fault. And I felt like being dope sick sucked so bad that I was like, man, they would want me to have this money. Right? <laughs> I remember being like, this sucks so bad. Like, if my mom knew how sick I was and she knew and, like, I remember thinking, like, my parents just think using drugs is not safe. But if they knew that, like, I wasn't going to die, they would give me the $40 right now so I yeah. don't have to be sick. Yeah. And justifying, like, robbing them or whatever. But I don't know. When you use, you really become, like, a sociopath. Like, a lot of times, like, I remember my brother telling me, like, you know, mom cries because of you. And I remember just being like, well, it's not my fault. She's crying, yeah. you know. What do you want me to do about it? Because not using is not a, an option. Yeah, like, it's not even in the cards. Like, what do you want me to do? I have this thing that I need to maintain on a daily basis. You, I don't want to rob mom. I have to. Yeah, I have to. Like, I don't have a choice. I have no other choice. Let me ask you, what do you think? So like people always ask me like, what was it that got you clean? Like, you know, like when you really think about it, like what was the difference between you staying clean this time and you not staying clean other times? I think in the beginning, it was like the level of pain that I, like internally, emotionally, like I just, I didn't want to die, but I wanted to die, if that makes sense. Like, I wanted to die, but I didn't want to die. But then when I, like, stopped the using for a little bit, just, like, a little bit, man, just a, I just gave myself that small little, even if it was that 30-day, like, just in that beginning 30 days, uh, it was, like, the amount of fun and joy I was experiencing that, like, I didn't know existed, right? So I lived in a fucking halfway house. It was a duplex. And there was, like, eight guys in each. So, like, imagine 16 guys mm -hmm. in a fucking house but you got along with everyone. Like I got along, we all got along, which is- Rare. Yeah. And that experience like made me want to not use in the mm -hmm. beginning, you know? Uh, like yeah. that, just that small fragment of joy. Camaraderie goes a long way. Like Dude. there's something about camaraderie, like where drug addicts, like even the worst drug addict 
put in the right environment, you know, when they say like one bad apple spoils the bunch, like, yeah, that's with apples. But like with humans, I've seen it the opposite where you could take a really fucked up kid and put him in an environment with like some really good kids. Cause I, I helped my friend get clean and I remember his mom was like, what do I do? And I was like, put him in a halfway house. They were like really codependent. She's like, a halfway house? Yeah, I think my, it's like some prison term. Yeah, she's like, my son is not going to live in a halfway house. I was like, it'll be fine. He'll meet guys his age. And she was like, no, I know my son. He's weak. He's going to succumb to the bad influences there. And I was like, he's an adult right now. And like, this is the best environment for him. And she was like, it's going to be dirty. I don't think he needs to be there. And I was like, trust me, like he needs to be around like other guys that are going through the same thing. And whether he goes to the people that are doing the wrong thing or to the people that are doing the right thing, it's going to be up to him. But eventually he needs to live life. You yeah. can't like keep him in this little bubble and think that you're going to watch him all day and you're going to be an IOP therapist and you're going to be a probation officer and you're going to drug test them at home because like that's what parents do. They're like, oh, I'll yeah. drug test him. Like when I see parents drug testing their like 25 year old kid, I was like, and then normally we know how to weed around that. Yeah. And most if, of the and time we, we're putting orange juice in the cup. We're yeah. drinking detox tea. We're doing all this sorts of shit. Or we just don't shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And come up with some story or whatever, you yeah. know? And in our house, like, it's pretty much what you were saying, man. Like, if the bad apple moved in, it, he weeded himself out because mm -hmm. everybody that was there. Was about their recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick was there. Yeah. Tim was there. A lot of people that were there are dead. Mm-hmm. But- even the ones that passed, man, like in their time in that house while I was there, like were some of the best times of my life, man. Like, mm -hmm. And that made me want to stay clean because I've been experiencing shit like that since I got clean. And uh, in the beginning, like I didn't have shit, dude. I had nothing. I had nothing. But I had the camaraderie. And it was like you come home and bullshit and you laugh your ass off until 2 a.m. Like pranking each other, whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're like meeting girls and all, and all, that, all that shit that you – None of this shit I do when I'm getting home. You forget about it. It's complete opposite. Mm -hmm. And that's what made me stay. And those guys were, they wanted to stay clean, man. I remember like getting clean or thinking about getting clean and being like, dude, if I get clean, my life is going to be so lame. Like I'm just going to be like some fucking square that fucking goes to work. And like. That's because you thought getting arrested and being a drug dealer was cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I thought I was having all this fun, getting into like a car chase every three weeks yeah. and like fucking all this excitement or whatever. Really, I was a fucking loser. Exactly. One thousand percent. And I remember getting clean and uh i like with 13 years clean i still remember the first time i drove with the windows down listening to music and i remember like lowering like the window and it was like you know in florida it only gets cold for a couple of weeks but i bro that couple of weeks where it gets cold and you lower the windows down you go on a drive and you blast some music and like when that wind hits your face you don't think about shit else and i remember smoking a cigarette and feeling like I was on opiates. Like I felt like I did an Oxy-80. Like I felt so good that I was clean. I was coming up on a year probably. It's getting cold. And for the first time in my life, I'm actually seeing like fucking what somewhat of a season down here. And I remember seeing Christmas lights and like the Christmas spirit. Even like in Florida, there's somewhat of a Christmas spirit. People building Hell snowmen, yeah. you know? Fucking palm trees all wrapped up. And it's cool. And I remember being on like using and not even knowing what fucking month it was. Yep. You know, I every remember, day is the same. I remember going to the pawn shop and being like, what the fuck? How are they closed? It's Monday. And being so pissed off. So I drove to another pawn shop. They were closed too. And I remember being like, what the fuck? And I remember going to another one. They were closed too. And I remember I was outside this one pawn shop and this guy was like looking at me. And he could tell I was just like 
on it. And he yeah. was like, bro, what's up with you? And I was like, why is everything closed? And he was like, it's Mother's Day. And I remember just being like, sick. Now fucking I got to go to CVS and steal a car. Fucking piece of shit, moms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the beginning, you know, that's what it was. And then when you experience shit that's like even a greater high, like, why would I want to go back to using, mm -hmm. you know? Like, when you stick around, and in the beginning you have nothing, but you have something, you know? You have, like, uh, your friends and shit like that. And then you get to experience other gifts. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, simple shit. For me, it was, in the beginning, it was a very... What from the outside looking in was like almost minute, like getting driver's license and shit like that, getting a job, opening a bank account, then starting to like establish credit, like shit that I had no knowledge yeah, of. Yeah, you start to see that like in the beginning, like if you like a drawing a painting, like one little swivel, you're like, what the fuck is that? Two little swivels, you're like, all right, whatever. You like throw some paint on it, you're like, all right, like that's nothing. But then after you keep going at it, you can start to see the image and then you're like, once you start to see the image, you're like, oh, shit, if I keep doing this, it's going to turn into a fucking picture. Yeah. And at first, it just seems like it's nothing, you know? And then that's been my experience. Like, I even, you know, it's weird, man. Like, when you first, when I first got clean, like, if I saw somebody with the amount of clean time that I have or you have, it was impossible. That can't happen for me. But then you stay clean. Like, I've been clean almost six years. It don't feel like that long has gone by. Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like, holy shit. Six fucking years have gone by. Yeah. It doesn't feel like six years ago I was in a halfway house. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago. Yeah. So it goes by quickly. It goes by quickly and it's still not like that long in comparison to like how fast we fuck our lives up. Like yeah. we could fuck our whole lives up in a weekend, you know? And, you know, what I tell, like sometimes I see people and like they'll see that I pull up in a nice car or something and like they want the car and they start asking me about the car or something. And I'm just like, Bro, I was so happy making 12 bucks an hour. Fucking right. And like, bro, I didn't even get to go to a halfway house. I used to like dream about living in a house. I used to beg my mom, <laughs> mom, please let me go to this halfway. But like, I'd go to all my friends' halfway houses. And like, honestly, bro, like my first couple of years clean were the best years of my life. If I had a pack of Newports and money for energy drink and fucking I was going to go to the meeting tonight and there was going to be like some cute girls there and we're going to go out to eat after, like that was it for me i didn't think life could get better than that that yeah. was i was sold and that's what was enough in the beginning mm -hmm. and then uh i mean dude sometimes it's that's all it takes like to get another day too is like you know i could be having like a shitty ass day man or some bullshit could happen or somebody could die or whatever like some shit that like doesn't make you feel great about life mm -hmm. you know and then uh the next thing you know like you're with some old friends or something like that and uh your, your, the camaraderie comes back and you're bullshitting and you're laughing and you're having a good time. And it's almost like you've been recharged. Yeah. Like when we went to Patrick's wedding in Vermont, mm -hmm. like, like I wasn't in a great place in life. You know, I wasn't like loving life, but I had an experience where I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed my company and I met some new friends. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, what, five days that we were there, like just that small little life experience was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. And that's why like conventions and retreats are like so important because like, bro, there was times where, you know, when the spiritual retreat was going on, where it'd be like in the keys, right? So it'd be like, bro, 3000 addicts in the keys. People would get tents and hotel rooms. Yep. So I remember my first couple of years, I would go in a tent. My first year I had no money. I slept in a car. Me too. And um, I remember thinking like, hotel room like people get ho like how could you afford hotel rooms like people get hotel rooms to go to this retreat and i remember like thinking like <laughs> next year i'm coming in a tent like i'm gonna do it right 
And I remember like I got the little tent and it was so fucking hot. I don't know who the fuck would camp outside in Florida, but it like it was an upgrade. I, yeah, it was an upgrade from the car, you know, and it was like fun, bro. I had so I can't even explain like how much fun addicts have with like no alcohol, just like fucking around. Just each other. Talking shit. Yeah. That's all we fucking need, man. It's just like uh somebody to bullshit with. Mm -hmm. And every little upgrade is like you know, you go from sleeping in the front seat of a car. At least that's what I did. I slept in the front seat of a car. I didn't sleep much, you know, like, and you don't need to sleep much down there <laughs> yeah, because so you're up fun. till fucking yeah. four in the morning every night, but it sucked. So if you had a tent and you had like a spot for that tent, mm -hmm. you know, like that was a come up. And then the next year, you know, you've been clean for three, four years now. So now you could probably like get one of those rooms or you and six of your yeah. buddies can get one of those rooms. It's just another upgrade. And that's been my experience with everything mm -hmm. that I've like done since I stayed clean with vehicles, with jobs, with everything. When I came here, I didn't have a license. I rode the purple scooter. Yeah. You know, and the purple scooter turned to a purple Jeep. Now I got a work truck and another vehicle. You like purple? No, dude. It's just what happened. I don't dislike purple, yeah. but I would never pick out a purple. I would never car. go pick out a purple scooter, you know? Like Bro, I remember the first time I bought the car and picked the color. You know, cuz I remember thinking like every time I had a car, it was like this is what you got. Yeah. It wasn't like you it's went what out you could get. It's what like this is what you can get, you know? I remember the day I was like, "No, I wanted I remember telling the guy at the dealership like, "No, I wanted a matte yeah. gray. I wanted like a darker color and I want leather interior." I remember the first time I had leather interior in a car, I was like I remember the first time I bought non-IKEA furniture. You know, I remember the first time buying furniture. Like, obviously, you're going to go to IKEA. It's like the cheapest I furniture. Can. It's like $200 for a bedroom. So I remember the first time I went to like a furniture store and bought furniture. I remember thinking like, it was going to be so hard. Most furniture stores will finance you with zero down. And I remember thinking like, God, I made this seem like such an impossible task That's what I did in my with that head. Guitar. Like, this would never happen, you know? It's funny. You talk about leather interior and the keys. Uh I bought my truck the morning of the spiritual retreat. That's cool. I bought a fucking full-size pickup truck the morning of. I literally traded my car in. I bought a full-size truck, and I drove to the Keys. Dude, that was a cool experience. You know, the first time I went to the spiritual retreat, I remember, like, I was like, I don't know anybody, but I'm going to go. And I remember I went with this kid. And I remember thinking, like, I'm not going to like this kid that I was going with because, like, I would judge him a lot. He, like, wore Ed Hardy and, like, was just one of those guys. And, bro, me and, like, I still love this kid till today. And I remember we slept in his car. And I remember I was around a group of people. And I would be really quiet when I first got clean because I just feel like people wouldn't like me or not like me. And I'd just be, like, quiet and off to the side. And this guy, Doug, had all these years clean. He had a boat and he was tethering people on this uh, raft. What's it called? A tube. A tube, yeah. It's tubing. And he was taking everyone tubing. And he was taking, like, people that he knew and hot girls, which, like, bro, if you're a guy with a boat, you're going to take hot girls. And I'm just, like, sitting there. And I remember thinking, like, that would be cool, but, like, he's not going to pick me to go on his boat. You know, I'm a dude. And I remember <laughs> he, like, pointed at me. He's like, you want to go? And I remember, like, looking around, like, me? You want, like, of I can people? go on the boat? And I remember I was like, yeah, I'll go on the boat. And I went on the boat. And I remember thinking, like, maybe I won't get on the tube. And he was like, here, put this life jacket on. And I remember, like, tubing. And having so much fun, I'm like, I haven't gone tubing since I was probably in like fifth grade with my dad once. Yeah. And I remember like on the tube having so much fun. And when I got back in the boat, he was wearing a shirt that said, um, you know, you're an addict if, and it had like a list of things. And the first one said, if your favorite drink is methadone and orange juice. And I remember like sitting on the boat and smiling and thinking like I'm in the right place. <laughs> and uh, bro, I was 
18 years old with a year clean. It was the funnest ex- weekend of my life. Like at the time, I, I like couldn't imagine it getting better. And years later, um, you know, I think like six, seven years clean, I had a F-250, a nice ass F-250. And um, I ended up not driving down there. And I went with other people and I was buying bikes at the time. And I would always go on Craigslist and look at bikes. And a lot of times I'm buying like shitty bikes, but every once in a while I buy like a super clean bike. And I was looking and I was like, man, there's not really any nice bikes down here that are good deals, but there is this Ducati. And I hadn't even bought a Ducati yet. And I remember I texted the Craigslist thing to my buddy and he's like, bro, it's a good deal. See if he'll do like six grand. So I was like, okay. So I remember I like had, it was like on a weekend and the banks were closed. So I had like five debit cards and each debit card had like a $1,500, $2,000 limit, but that's how I would withdraw money from the ATM. So I withdrew $6,000 from the ATM and I go and buy this bike, uh, this Ducati cash. And it's like the last day of the retreat. And I buy the Ducati. I pull up back to the retreat. And people are like, how'd you get a Ducati? And I was like, I just bought it. I just bought it. Yeah. And then I rode it back home. And I remember like riding the Ducati back home and just thinking like, damn, I just rode a Ducati back from the Keys. Like, I just bought a Ducati. Like, Yeah, I was like, no problem. I just bought a Ducati, whatever, to flip. Yeah, I remember riding that bike home from the keys and just like no helmet no plate you know just to you back were high up. as shit riding a bike without a helmet is the dumbest thing ever but i just didn't have a helmet because i just circumstantial circumstantial and i was like this is super dumb but like i've done dumber things yeah you know and i rode it home and uh, i still have that picture of riding the ducati back home that's fucking awesome yeah, cool. and it's awesome that you could like pull shit like that all just by staying clean man and uh, I just if somebody would have told me, oh, stick around, kid, at five years clean. You're, I would have told him to shut the yeah, fuck up. Yeah, I would have been like, yeah, bro, you're out of your mind. I just did it. I just did the same, literally almost the same experience to a T, man. Almost six years clean. I've been looking for a boat. Been looking for a boat. And everything on the market right now is priced way high. And uh, I've been, you know, I'm scouring. I'm at my house. I'm with my girl and my kid. It's like nine o'clock at night. I'm on Facebook Marketplace, mm-hmm. like really jonesing, looking through. Junked out, yeah. Yeah. And I found a boat. Same thing. It was listed for like 7500 And I was like, oh, that's a deal. Let's see if this will do it. Let's do six grand. Mm-hmm. And I often am like, I think I said like 4800 at first. And he was like, I'll do seven. And I was like, all right, how about 55 And, and we met at six, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck, dude, I don't have six grand cash. And I don't, I don't know how to make this work. Dude, I loaded Ollie up in the car. Adriana got in the front seat. And we stopped around. And next thing you know, I had a boat on the back of my truck and I dropped it off at my shop, you know, mm-hmm. like, and now I have a boat just in a moment's notice. Like yeah. I need a boat. I'm getting a fucking boat. Same thing. If you would have told me, if you would have told me that shit two years ago, I'm like, dude, I'm never going to be, <laughs> you know, the more you put in, the more you get out, you know, and, and it's been like that with everything, you know, everything in my life, relationships, jobs, all that stuff, man. It's been like, uh, you never know what's around the bend. Like, how would you see your life unfolding if you just didn't work the steps? If you, like, just stayed clean? I don't know that I would stay clean. <laughs> um, yeah. If, you don't, if I don't do any work on myself, I do know a lot of people that, like, come to meetings and don't work steps at all, like, and that do stay clean. But in the same sense, like, I don't know many of them. Like, I don't know a shit ton of people that, like— And when uh, I talk about staying clean, I'm talking about what I consider is, like, substantial would be, like, five-plus years. Yeah, you know, like in my exactly. opinion, like five years, you know, I truly believe is that you're a newcomer until you have five years clean. Like five years clean is like the beginning 
of like having a solid foundation. And that sounds crazy because in the beginning, I thought a solid foundation was like 90 days. But that's also been my experience too. Like I, I have just over five years clean and it's weird because like your perception of things for me has changed like in the past year, two mm -hmm. years, it's almost like a different level of maturity. And I don't know if it's just because it's five years or if it's because I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm also five years older. You yeah, know? yeah. I'm not 22 anymore. I'm pushing 30. But you're now. five years older, clean. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it's like, like I grew up for an additional five years, you know, that's a, it's a small amount of time, but it's a not at the same time, especially to not use. And as far as like working the steps and like being involved in a program, like that's why the fuck I come here, you know, or there. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, that's like, uh, it's not just about like steps either, you know, it's everything that's involved around Service, it. reading the book. Yeah, like I, you know, even with my time, I still, I call my sponsor every day, every day after work. That's how I talk to him. Sometimes I don't talk to him on the weekend, but every day after work, if he don't answer, he usually calls me back. Mm -hmm. I have a home group. I have a service commitment at that home group. You know, I have a sponsee. Uh, we just went over step work last week. Like, it's important. It's important for me, and I tell them that it's important as well. Like, mm -hmm. I wouldn't know like certain things about myself without writing it on paper. And there's even like shit that I learned that you learn about yourself that you don't like. Like mm -hmm. the biggest thing that I've learned about myself through step work, or that I've actually worked on that. I had trouble like uh, like jealousy and envy. Like uh, it's weird to even say it out loud. Like I had trouble like being happy for other people's success. Like I got like bitter. Like why can't I have that? Like I would be jealous. And uh, and like prior to doing step work, if someone would say, "Do you struggle with jealousy?" You'd be like, "Nah, nah, I'm not." What are you talking about? Yeah, and then you like really take a look at yourself. You're like, "Wow, I'm like not happy that this dude's like one of my friends is doing well. Mm -hmm. I'm not happy for them." And it, like bugged me. Like why am I feeling this way? It's almost like what you said earlier. Like you see people are like, oh, you pull up in this nice car. Like, oh, blah, 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 blah. But in the same sense, like the dude that asks you that, like don't do shit to earn that car. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's kind of like where I was at. Like, oh, well, this dude has this, this, and this. But like look at the work that he's put in to get this, this, and that. And then I just realized like it wasn't about them, dude. It was just about what I'm doing in my life that I'm bitter about, mm -hmm. you know? And I didn't know that shit until I wrote it down. Like I would have never known. I would have just been continuously bitter that somebody, that one of my friends is happy. Yeah. And like, what kind of life is that? You know, and if I'm going to live that way and not work steps, then if I live like that for long enough, like I might just use, mm -hmm. you know, like in that state of unhappiness or jealousy or envy. And like, you or, don't really know it, you know, like, um, you know, steps bring the awareness out. Yeah. And like, once you start writing on things, you start living differently because you start to notice it. So like, and the way I always like refer to it is like, you know, when the AC is on, you don't notice it on because you're used to the sound. But like when it clicks off, you're like, damn, was that thing on the whole time? And like that's awareness. You know, you don't understand that it's there until you notice that it's there and then you can't ever not see it. You know, that's what the steps do is that they show you parts of you that you can't see just living your life. You can only see them with the sponsor, with the step working guide and writing out these questions. And it allows me to live my life to the fullest level. And I truly believe that I'm living my highest potential when I'm actively working in my program. And not that I can't stay clean, not that I can't be successful, not that whatever, but I'm not living in that state where I feel like um, I'm in the groove of things. I'm kind of just like your going through your life. quality of life is at its highest. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that for my own self too, because I don't like... 
lately I have been, but there's also been times like when I was mentioning earlier, like when we were in Vermont, I wasn't like in a great pace. Like it was just because I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't mm -hmm. active in my program because of that. Like my quality of life wasn't to its full potential. And it's weird how like quickly that shifts when you just do like a little bit of work. Yeah, it's not like a lot. We're talking about like 20 minutes a day of like yeah, dude. writing. So, and this yeah. is like very simple shit. It's all stuff that I already know or have the answers to, mm -hmm. just like am unaware until like some dumbass question is put in front of my face. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh yeah, I know the answer to that. I've been doing this for 28 years mm -hmm. now. Doing a step work with sponsees is also something that you can't explain. Like, you know, when you work the steps, you don't think about doing them with someone else when you're the sponsor. And like, I've had experiences with sponsees at my house where I'm watching somebody go from like step one to step six. And I'm thinking about like the person I met like a year ago and how fucked up they were and fucking out of their mind. And they're like doing the step work and they're looking up at me to see like if I approve of their answer <laughs> or something. And like, and they're into it, you know? And, you know, I, dude, I've sponsored like, you know, ex gang members, people have been to prison and they're over here talking about, you know, their relationship with God and like, you know, things that they did today that weren't unspiritual and like, you know, watching somebody work towards being a better person. Like, to me, that's cool. Like, I've come to a place in my life where, like, I think that's the coolest thing. Like, I don't think there's anything cooler than watching somebody it's rewarding. get past an, a point that they didn't think that they could even get to. Yeah, it's cool to be a part of. It's cool yeah. to, like, uh, see other people succeed, mm -hmm. uh, especially people that you care about. Like, uh, I don't know what your relationship was, is like with your sponsees, but I know for me, like, when the ones that stick around, like, you develop a pretty good bond with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, like... I have one sponsee right now and I don't hang out with him like often or anything like that, but I do talk to him a lot. Yeah. But I don't like, we don't like do shit together regularly or anything like that. But even like you said, like I just watched him go over a step and it's like, and he has a few years clean, you know, but um, like his progress outside of his program because of his program, mm -hmm. that's also cool. You see somebody come in the same way you did, like with nothing, you know, like and my sponsee is like, arrest record but he, just like he was a fucking derelict outside mm -hmm. of here and now he's like a manager of a store and he's like doing really well because he put a little bit of work in man mm -hmm. you know and he used to talk about like the same shit like i want to get this i want to get that i want my own place uh, and it, in the beginning it was like it could be annoying yeah. you know like if you just pump the brakes man and like do a little bit of work like that shit will come and for him that shit came and it's cool to see that he pulls up in his little pickup truck, you know, like, yeah, yeah. and I've known this kid since he came in and now he's like, yeah, he's the manager of his store. Like he just did like management training and shit mm -hmm. like that. A 24 year old kid. Yeah. I have a, a friend of mine. I told this story before, but I remember he called me so excited, bro. So excited. And he's like, you know, shot heroin his whole life, you know, used with his parents, went to Salvation Army. And he called me and he was like, dog, I got to show you something. I was like, what? He's like, bro, check your phone. And I was like, okay, yeah, check my phone. He's got a green wall in his room. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, dog, I just got a fucking accent wall. And I was <laughs> like, what? He's like, bro, do you know what an accent wall is? And I was like, yeah, I know. He's like, bro, could you imagine a junkie like me? creates an accent wall it's called feng shui <laughs> and he googled what feng shui meant and he was like it's this term meaning like i don't know like exactly what the definition was but he was so excited that he painted one of his room walls green 
And I remember like just thinking that was like the coolest thing because, you know, for to make an impact on an addict's life, it's not a giant thing. It's almost kind of easy to impact someone's life. You're doing well. Yeah. To inspire them or that they want to tell you about something that to them, you know, when you're a drug addict, you think that shit's corny. You think that shit's stupid. You you don't think anything. You don't have any dreams or desires or whatever. Or it's not in the cards. Like or it's that, not in the cards. That kid never thought he would have an accent. I remember the first time I painted my room because growing up, like I didn't care what my room looked like. I live anywhere, you yeah. know. And I remember at a year clean, I was like, I want to paint it, and I painted my room. Yeah. And it felt cool to like. And that was the dopest shit ever. B- buy paint. Yeah. And fucking paint your room decorate it just because you could though yeah you know just because you have the option to exactly and you care to yeah you know it's nice to it's also nice to care it's also it's nice like bro this is where i shit. live yeah. yeah it's my fucking crib yeah and uh like that's what i get to do to people's houses that's yeah. that's another cool thing you got options you got options. you get to pick the color of your car the leather in your car the color of your wall if you want to do an accent wall or not if you want to buy a fucking bike in the Keys, you can. I was actually talking to to Max on the way here. Similar situation. It's like an event this weekend or whatever. And he's like, oh, I'm not. I think I'm going to maybe drive down with somebody else. And I was like, I don't ever do that because if I want to leave, like I want to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, you know, the one thing that's nice about when you stay clean for a little while is like you'll never get stranded anywhere. Mm-hmm. He's like, if I need to get somewhere, I got a bank account. Cool. You know, like it's that simple. I can never be left anywhere mm-hmm. because I always have a contact to just be like, uber or come pick me up mm-hmm. or whatever you know yeah. something small like that well i appreciate you coming on the show i love you very much love you too and, man thanks uh, for having me yeah bro have a good one this show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program if you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction please find a local 12-step meeting if you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind please call 888-699- 9395 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com.